This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend, and uh, today we got a, a very special guest on to talk about a, uh, a cool new feature on the World Wide Webs, which I think uh, everybody out there that's hunters, anglers, foragers, cooks, food seekers, adventurers, whatever you are, we're, uh, you, you'll be excited to hear uh, what this is, so... Um, I will tell you that uh, I'm excited to talk about it, and I think Chris is excited to talk about it too. Uh, so first off, I'll get some news out of the way. Uh, some news since last podcast, trying to think. So uh, just been working diligently. Uh, ben and I are kind of working through the magazine project. Uh, we made the official announcement uh, a couple weeks ago, so we're rolling forward with that. We've got just about the entire layout of the magazine uh, done. And we're just putting the final touches on it, looking to still launch mid-March. So as a reminder, everybody, that will be Harvesting Nature magazine. So it's going to be primarily electronic uh, with the option to do print on demand. So that really means that if you want to read it on your phone, you can read it on the phone from our website. Uh, once you purchase it, you'll get a PDF delivered to you as well. You can read it there. And then if you're like, you know what, I really like this. I want to throw it on the coffee table. I want to enjoy it with my friends and talk about it over poker. Uh, you know what? It'll be a print copy too. All you got to do is hit the print on demand button. It'll ask you to enter your address, do a little pay, and then boom, it's off to, uh, to your door, uh, which is really great. Keeps us from having to keep a bunch of stock on hand and uh, also keeps us from redu uh, wasting a bunch of paper. 
Because oftentimes you think about print magazines and they're on the rack for a little while. And then where do they really go when the next one comes in, right? They don't, do they go back to the printer? Do they go to the shredder? Do they go to the compost pile? I don't know. We're not going to have that problem, though, because we're going to have uh, electronic for people who want to do electronic and paper for w- those who want to do paper. So the other really cool feature about that is like all the ads, all the links, uh, there'll be videos embedded in there. There'll be all kinds of cool stuff that you can click on and interact inside the magazine. So really it's going to be a very interactive piece. Uh, It'll be cool to see that kind of come together uh, and and be able to get in there and click around and click links and, you know, go to some of your favorite uh, retailers on there, you know, whatever's Whatever's in your wheelhouse, uh, you'll enjoy the magazine. I'm, I'm definitely sure of that. Also, too, uh, we, we finalized the testing, and I punched in the order today for our our big game spice blend. Uh, so that is going to be uh, hopefully coming through in March. Uh, we'll have our first arrival of that as well. Um, so stand by for that. You'll see the release on that, but that'll be a exciting thing. We did a lot of testing. There was like five or six of us involved. I went through the testing process on a couple of the podcasts, but know that it has been thoroughly tested on a range of game, big game meats. So we're excited to share that with you. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy this spice. Uh, we'll look to do that. We'll start working as we move forward into the year. Turkey season uh, is one of the big ones next, so we'll be working on developing an upland bird. So that'll include turkey, pheasant, dove, quail, chucker, grouse, what, whatever you think of. We're going to develop a blend for that as well, and so that'll be really focused on that upland game bird piece, which will be good for turkey. So it's gonna we're going to try to span it between the dark the darker meat and the lighter meat of, of game birds. So really excited to see that and it's always fun testing because i get to taste which is good and then as always we have our cooking classes um so both adam and i have been uh steadily at it doing cooking classes every couple weeks uh we we may look to combine that we've been doing some brainstorming so we might mix up do some cocktails uh do some cooking do kind of a, a whole interactive piece uh where we're teaching some more techniques we'll see but stay tuned uh you know uh, we'll either keep doing what we're doing or we'll add in some extra flavor. So uh, there is that piece. But uh, with all that out of the way, I guess, um, you know what? I, I, I actually have one other big piece of news. So I was reached out to um, by Trevor, who is the uh, Backcountry Hunter and Anglers uh, Armed Forces Initiative Coordinator. And uh, so backcountry hunters and anglers also known as bha bha's uh, armed forces initiative seeks to like connect uh, veterans and active duty military members with public land opportunities get them reconnected to hunting there's been a lot of information a lot of studies out there that have shown that uh veterans uh exiting service uh are able to reconnect a lot with duty and purpose and and find themselves in in the wild uh you know in hunting and fishing and foraging and exploring so BHA has recognized the importance of that and and last year 
uh, last year, the year before, they created the Armed Forces Initiative, and, and Trevor's now at the wheelhouse and has set forth a, uh, a national board of advisors, and I was asked and graciously accepted, uh, so I will be sitting on the board as the communications and operations coordinator, so uh, I'll be helping work with all the uh, base and state liaisons uh, to help promote uh, veteran and active duty participation in the outdoors. So really excited to serve with those folks. i uh, been a BHA member for a long time, done a lot of great work with them, uh, continue to look forward to be involved and uh, see where this new fun adventure goes. But if you haven't checked out their website, you need to do that. Go over to the BHA website and look up uh, Armed Forces Initiative. So really cool stuff there. But now, since we got that that good bit of news out of the way, I will introduce our guest. So he is the founder of Season Report. It's the modernized almanac. He grew up in southern Colorado where he first learned how to hunt and fish in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. After some years in the city and working in a lab, he needed to get back to nature. So he now lives in Virginia with his wife and daughter where he teaches science and spends as much time as possible hunting, fishing, gardening, and hiking. Please welcome Chris Chain to the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to talk about this. I mentioned it before, but you know, you and I were chatting. I was reading through the website, and I'm excited to get down into what is the season report. But first, um, I alluded to it briefly, where you're from, and uh, what, how you got introduced to the outdoors. But could you expand upon that for us? Certainly. Uh, I'm kind of like a military brat where I've moved all around. Primarily lived in Colorado, Louisiana, and now Virginia. And so got a nice blend of Appalachian Rockies and Bayou in my background. And Nice. Um, what, part, what part of Louisiana? Uh, Central. And then okay. I went to college at Louisiana Tech. North oh, Central. nice. I'm a, I'm a University of New Orleans grad. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely made our, our weekend trips down to New Orleans. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> it's a good spot to weekend trip. Yeah, for it sure. certainly is. <laughs> uh, and I got introduced to the outdoors, like I'm sure a lot of people do. Uh, my dad got me out in the mountains, and you know, it, it was one of those things where, looking back, didn't realize how much we were, you know, supplementing the food budget. But in reality, the all the experiences I got were just a blast and. When you live in the Rockies and you get out there every single weekend fishing and, and going hunting, it's it's the perfect upbringing. Yeah, I agree. You know, we were chatting before, and I, I've been in the Rockies here br- very briefly, but man, there are some adventures to be had out there for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I've since gone back uh, as an adult, just on a lot of hiking trips. I haven't had the opportunity to go hunt it as an adult, but just getting deep, deep in the mountains. You know, we've done a, a buddy of mine uh, has brought me out to the four pass loop outside of Aspen. And if you've never done that hiking trail, it is by far some of the prettiest scenery I've ever been to. It's a nice like 30, 40 mile loop and high altitude the whole time. You see mountain goats and everything. Colorado, there's a reason everybody moves there. Yep. Yeah, it's true. I, I believe it now for sure. Um, so outside of uh sort of growing up and and supplementing the dinner table with a fishing game how did you really dig your heels in and decide like this is what i really want to do this is what i want to enjoy doing you know i uh 
I didn't do much at all in high school, college, those years, and I it was kind of a perfect storm. I got back in the mountains and I started hiking a lot more and then had the great fortune of being invited to go on a hunt and it's just all those childhood memories kind of clicked and that term adult onset hunter really applies to me. And you know, growing up we had a garden and so, you know, once you get your own place and you start to you know, bring in a little protein with hunting and then try different parts on your on your land to build the best garden and then slowly get everything figured out to where you can actually produce a decent amount of food. It kind of all came together at the same time. That's good. Yeah, kind of that self-reliance piece. I, I think a lot of people are, are definitely going towards that. And I don't know I am. I've been thinking, even as we moved out here to Colorado, uh, I, I, I took a stance too late to get a any type of winter garden in which i wish i would have because it's been a fairly mild winter um but i i have all the materials stockpiled now so i'm i'm about to start constructing and start working on nice. the garden beds for the spring so uh pretty pretty excited nice yeah so um let's see Man, my mind just blanked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so this is this is always a fun question that, that Corey enjoys me asking, and, and I always enjoy the answer, is uh, so what's in your freezer now that you're looking forward to cooking next? So I have some venison, some duck, some black bear, and a few bass fish in yeah. the freezer. Yeah, okay. and I can't say I'm... I'm I want to cook them all. Uh, the, you know, quite surprisingly, the black bear. I never really expected that I would enjoy that meat as much as I did until mm-hmm. I got one this season. And now, unfortunately, I've almost eaten through the whole thing. The it was such a an unexpected flavor profile that really mm-hmm. just goes well with everything. And I'm already starting to really think about next year how I can how I can restock the freezer. Yeah, but, it's a. Uh... Man, I I had you know had bear on occasion uh, before, but just tasting it uh, this past year, it's just man, I I'm like hooked, and the fat too, and just the juice, and just like oh. But now, it, have you it, ever had wild boar? I have had wild boar. Yep. Um, that was a surprisingly good meat as well. I didn't yep. expect that there'd be such a difference between domestic and wild, but it kind of that's the only thing I can describe bear. Uh, being in the same ballpark it's like a complexity that mm-hmm. that doesn't exist and i you know i think we we lean back a lot on the fact that you know being raised on domestic pork and domestic beef and domestic chicken there's nothing wrong with it i'll caveat that but a lot of that uh for a long period of time the agriculture industry was and to an extent still is very geared towards of like we want to create the most palatable product possible. And so palatable also translates into kind of a blank canvas where people can doctor it up as they need it. So you're not really getting the true like flavor of the animal versus like wild game. Now you start talking about complexity. You start talking about diet. You start talking about all these things that, you know, uh, ranchers and everyone have, have spent years sort of developing in the wild that doesn't exist like it's just the natural flavors and i think to come back full circle is bear um 
they eat so much being an omnivore is just like it's hard to compare the flavor profile to really anything else and i think almost the same with wild boar uh depending on what they're eating and kind of all that um it's just so much different so much complex so much more flavor you know tough lean however you want to go with it depending on age but man what a, what a what a cool two animals to compare oh absolutely and you know for the longest time i was really a calories in type of eater and mm-hmm. it wasn't until hunting and and really getting garden off the ground did i ever stop to appreciate those different flavors cuz mm-hmm. until then it was all just what could i buy and there's a reason everything tastes like chicken And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you start to open up this kaleidoscope of options in the woods right behind your house. And it it really diversifies the dinner table. So what's probably one of your favorite? So excluding bear. So let's take that off. Let's, let's go a little deeper. What's your favorite dish or favorite preparation? Uh, I mean, Venice, Venice and Wellington, number one. Mm. Uh, But you know, everybody wants to do the, the showcaser. Uh, I actually, right after this, I'm going to be marinating some, some jerky and smoking Ooh. that tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, I have yet to find a cut of, of venison that I don't enjoy getting the most out of. Yeah. I feel you on that for sure. Jerky's good, man. I love jerky. I think if I could survive off of it, I could probably just eat jerky and drink coffee and just be like that's gonna be me as an old man i'm just gonna be salty and just like beef jerky in my pocket of my t-shirt and like a thermos of coffee with me everywhere that sounds like a good life (laughs) yeah not too bad um nice well excited to uh learn of your your plans with that jerky that'll be good um so let's let's talk about the intersection of your passion and the creation of the season report. Like, how did that play out? Where, when was the aha moment? So the aha moment was probably, uh, it was in 2020. Uh, you know, that was kind of the silver lining of everything shutting down because I had this opportunity to sit there and think. But the genesis really goes back to my time in a lab. I had a, uh, I, I had this series of 5,000 different images that I was tasked with counting all of the red and green dots that were adjacent to one another and each image had hundreds of these dots and so i i just looked at this stack of photos and said i'm not gonna do that my gosh and i was fortunate enough to get into a coding class and they got you really uh, brushed up on all the the basics of coding and then you know ultimately we didn't end up using that data, but at least instead of mindlessly looking through all these photos, I learned a skill, and I've kind of kept it up. Uh, and then I was actually working on some code for a different project entirely, and it dawned on me in 2020 that actually I could probably use, because I was in the process of making my own personalized kind of Excel spreadsheet for the upcoming hunting season, and I was going to print it out and laminate and put it in my pocket. But it dawned on me that that would be a perfect opportunity to to put some of that code toward this project, and it was it was really, you know, I, I played around with creating the prototype, and I created the original Virginia season report, and okay. showed it to some friends, and every single person that I showed it to, they were just kind of shocked. How has something like this not existed before? And I mean, every single person was giving me that same response. And so I felt like 
something that I was just doing for friends and, and neighbors kind of turned into that aha moment where, oh, I might be onto something. And so then, you know, everything was shut down and you couldn't really go anywhere. So it was a perfect opportunity to really put my, my head down and I got a nice first pass. Uh, well, I did about 20 states and played around with the concept of being able to move around from state to state. Again, people really liked it. And then I just kind of buckled down and, and did the whole country. And then more recently, uh, behind the scenes towards the end of the hunting season, I was working on, because I kind of had the idea that I was onto something there and I could pursue all hunting opportunities Mm-hmm. to the most specific possible degree, which is still the plan. We're going to continue to improve and iterate upon all the, the hunting stuff. But I, I couldn't shake the fact that I was getting stuff out of my garden. And really the genesis is I, I got tired of having to Google, you know, this thing season Virginia or this thing when to plant and then go through, get burned on a few links read scroll through a bunch of ads and personalized stories i just <laughs> yeah. wanted the, i just wanted the data yeah yeah and, and so it all kind of came together and it's been uh it's been a great reception it's been it's been really validating to to hear stories of people being like oh my gosh this is actually really helpful man i tell you if uh i don't know if you ran into complexities when you got into florida but the variation in growing zones in florida is just like so we lived in key west and uh there we operated a commercial hydroponic farm. Well, when you start growing there, you're at this point closer to Cuba and the Caribbean than you are the majority of the continental United States. So Key West is one of the only spots in the United States. I forget the exact zone. I think it's like 11A or 11B or 12A or 12B. I forget. But if you, you look at like, all right, I want to start growing this particular item of produce well you start doing research and really the only research that exists is maybe from like the university of florida well you may not get that much information coming out of the florida keys like the may the furthest south you may get information is from like you know in the miami area or the southern part of florida but that is even still a different growing zone than further down in the keys so uh if you ever want to talk about that growing zone i I got some i have some recommendations for sure i would love to offline yeah get a pick your brain you know i i encountered a lot of that with uh i'm you know the lower 48 is done for gardening but i'm i'm working on uh alaska and hawaii and nice they're so there's such unique climates that are obviously not part of the lower 48. Mm-hmm. And I've been running into those, those edge cases of those two where it's really it's, those extreme changes in altitude can mean so much. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Any, uh, any plans for, for Canada? We have a lot of Canadian listeners out there that I'm sure are piqued their interest. I have had several requests about that and it's definitely the amount of, the amount of uh, times I hear that question tells me I definitely got to get started on Canada. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a fair thing. That's one kind of model we've always stuck to is like when you think about hunting and angling, it's like we should think about it holistically. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you think about people talk about the North American model, right? That's not just unique to us. That's the entirety. So uh, try to exactly. take an approach the same way. But all right. So now can you walk me through? So I go to the website, seasonreport.com. And I sign up, 
and uh, then I log in. Right. When I log in, walk me through what everything looks like. Walk me through what I have access to. How can people utilize it? So my goal early on, whenever I started to see the power of this, was I wanted something that you could open up and already save your login information so you're always there. And I wanted it to bring up the information that you really need in the moment because mm -hmm. we've all been out hunting and had a tag in our pocket for something and we weren't quite sure if it was that date or maybe if it was next weekend because we were after this other animal primarily. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a million different uses. And so I really wanted something where within like my personal goal was two clicks, you know, hit go on the website and then, you know, click on the piece of data that you want and it doesn't have to change pages. And so you, to answer your question, you can go and search the hunting, foraging, gardening opportunity, fishing soon to come. Uh, and you can save your location to your profile. So that way, whenever you open that website up, it auto brings it up to your kind of personalized dashboard. And I keep hunting up top just because I, this is a, a hunting forward service. But if, if you have something that you care about, I want that information really easy to, to be brought right in front of your eyes. We, you hinted at it a little bit. And so mainly like, so we're looking at, uh, growing seasons for gardeners, for those that want to garden. So, um, how does that look? Does it say, like you mentioned, plant this at this specific time, or does it give kind of the growing period? So it, it's different for different plants, but it will be, you know, sow your seeds indoors if you prefer, uh, transplant time, uh, a growth if it was applicable, and then a harvest time, an oh, anticipated nice. harvest time. And so you can, even if you get into the, the season a little bit late, you can still catch that transplant time or still kind of map out what will be in bloom and what will be harvestable at what point. No, oh, that's, that is super useful. And then if you click on the stuff, uh, on the, on the horizontal bar chart, I have, I have a lot of this information presented in a few different ways just to see what people seem to gravitate toward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, future plans are where you select your preference for what's visible. But I have, you know, those dates of when things start and end. And those are obviously generalized based on, on weather patterns of, the, of that particular season. But then I have for gardening just kind of a general tip and something mm -hmm. to watch out for in each one of the, those uh, different periods. And so I might have... You know, make sure you don't overwater and cause a mold problem or watch out for rotting on the vine or this is what you should look for for a tomato, you know, right before it ripens. Stuff like that. Oh, nice. Huh. I think that's that's uh, pretty cool because looking at a lot of those bar charts for like uh, the growing periods, one thing I think they commonly leave out is like the uh, the sowing and germination period. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that you clued in on that and that that's super cool because that gives a realistic timeline for some folks who will be like, well, it's not, you know, or they'll sow too early and then, you know, plants aren't aren't strong enough to survive out there. Right. And, uh, you know, with with everything. I include links to mm -hmm. things that you should uh, certainly reference for far more information. And so through this process, I was lucky enough to find that every state has a university that seems or that has hyper local information 
about mm-hmm. what you should know. So again, this is the, uh, I'm eliminating that, that time spent Googling, but it's also, I, I want people to really start to think about this in terms of like, if you get your food with your hands, this is your hub for information that you can spider web out from. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, it's called the agriculture extension program. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That's exactly what it, it is. is. Yep. I, I was, a. Or I am, I guess, a a master gardener in Florida, uh, and I, I worked with the extension agent there. Um, I have yet to do it in Colorado. I need to sign up, but uh, nice. I just gotta... We'll definitely have to have a conversation because I, I actually, when I discovered the extension program, I said, oh my gosh, this is everything I need oh, yeah. to point people toward. There's so much information, uh, and you really like start to get in reports. and And I learned how to kind of go through some of those reports on planting and growing and evaluations, and like, you know, the people who are doing the research, like it's led by one of the extension agents, so you know, horticulturalist. But people helping them, it's just like the average volunteer. But they're so passionate about it that the wealth of information is just like wow. So. Right. Uh, I encourage people to check that out. One thing I was thinking, and I don't know, this may be on your docket already, but something that cool would be to do is if you looked at, uh, if you look at kind of common pests in areas and uh, looked at kind of their life cycle and kind of overlaid that with with the life cycle of the plants, because then as people are uh, as people are looking at their plants, you know, you look at things like root rot and are my tomatoes ripening? But it's like, holy smokes, what's this bug? Or, hey, you know, it's it's this time of year. Keep an eye out for you know cutworms or tomato hornworms or anything like that. So I wrote that down. That's a great idea. Food for thought. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So awesome. So we've talked about uh, gardeners, hunters. We talked about kind of the season season access. So you're able to look geographically kind of what the seasons are for different animals. Any other functionality for hunters that they would really clue into? So I have two different uh, portals you can use. Search, you can just key in exactly where you need to go. But then Discover works for only hunting. And so this is a tool for people to, as it says, discover new hunting opportunities so Mm -hmm. you can go in and supply a date range when you have off of work and you can say all right where can i hunt elk within this date range and it will bring all available options across the nation in front of you down to even even local like hyper hyper local answers so like um would be like gmus in, in colorado like game management units correct 
Yep. Oh, that's that's such a neat functionality. I really, really like that because I'm oftentimes, you know, yeah. or you you may be traveling somewhere like, oh, I want to go visit friends in in Maryland, but I want to do some hunting or fishing. Soon to be coming, right? I want to do hunting or fishing yeah. there, so uh, I would definitely use that feature to be like, what's in season before I even left the house? That way, I, I'd pack up and try to make some plans. So that's a neat feature for sure. Yeah, and then you know, top front and center with all the the search results there i have a link to the portal to buy your license so oh, again perfect. it's just it's trying to to all the stuff that you do in your brain anyways i'm just trying to make that happen faster and i appreciate that as somebody who really <laughs> enjoys efficiency uh it, it's really good because i i've said i've said for many years i'm like man it would be great if there was just one spot you could go and see all the seasons like lined up in a view like all right this is you know where i'm going what i'm doing what can i do and so it's perfect you're you're, you are you are the man you've answered that (laughs) question for me um so also too on my list here i have foragers do you have resources for foraging so that was something that i didn't really get to until the last few years uh and i start I started looking. Actually, I, I visited family over in uh, Norway and Sweden, and over there, I I was there during chanterelle season, and I was blown away. Every mm-hmm. single town you go to, they just have these like ten by ten pallets of freshly picked chanterelles, and they'll just throw them in some oil and salt and pepper, and, and for like fifty cents, you'll just get a plateful. Yep. It's wonderful, and um, that really opened my eyes to oh my gosh, there's so much growing. I need to start learning more. And then you go out to Montana and, and uh, get some huckleberries or, you know, find some raspberry vines over here in Virginia. Slowly started finding out more and more information. And then as I was doing this expansion outside of just hunting information, I realized there was there were a few resources, but nobody's really brought all these disparate food opportunities together to really maximize what you can get with your own hands. And so... With that, I have a lot of uh, oyster, morel, mushroom season uh, in Ooh. general. Um, uh, a f- some chanterelles, a few, a few other choice mushrooms, and then I get into berries, and then uh, you know another one that I I really didn't I didn't even know this existed until a few years ago is pawpaw fruit, and it paw-paw it's fruit. a native. Yeah, it's like a banana custard. Uh, mango, a weird hybrid. It's it's native to North America. It grows mm-hmm. from Georgia up to kind of Pennsylvania, and there's a, a pawpaw patch that you have to find, and they are they are ripe for a few weeks in September. And my wife and I went on hikes for probably two years in a row, just trying to find this. After we found out what it was, we were determined to find them because we were right in the heart of the of the region, and so. That was another one of those educational moments where I, I didn't even know that that existed. And luckily, I had somebody bring it up in conversation. But, yeah. uh, you know, when you make a database and you show all options available, it's, it's really easy to, to bring that information to somebody and open their eyes to what's around them. Sure. All right, let's go back to the pop-off. Did you find, did you find them? We did. Uh, the second or third year, I think, we did. And they're, they're this weird fruit, they kind of look like a when they're ripe they kind of look like a banana that's a little too mm-hmm. ripe uh, but they're okay. kind of squat and they have really fat seeds there's kind of a strong flavor it's like a vanilla custard mango banana all mixed together I like um, it yeah it's it's 
it's definitely it's kind of like eating a bear or a, or a boar. There's there's a unique flavor to it. I've mm-hmm. never tasted anything like it, but it's also got a lot of familiar flavors. Uh, not my favorite, but I was happy to have tried it. And uh, we have a, a neighbor who's a really good mixologist, and we're gonna be making some uh, some pawpaw drinks come September. Nice pawpaw, yeah. not for granddads for no. for the fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although if you made it with some old granddad, you could be like, "These are Papa granddads." Certainly. Uh, oh oh yeah. yeah, we could we could uh, have a few of them and explore all the different names for Papa and Grandpa. There you go. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, I I had I don't think I've come across that fruit, although it's very interesting. But no, I, I'm excited to hear about the the foraging aspect. I think that's always good. We've we've definitely tried to grow more in there. I personally have tried to grow more in that area over the last couple of years. So, um, when you get on there and play around them be curious to see and then so and before you go on you know as as i've been building this uh i've kind of taught myself different things and so mm-hmm. as i'm out as i was out during bow season this last fall i was thinking about all this stuff and slowly tinkering that was in the very early stages of, of putting together uh this current update but just by having that knowledge front of mind all of a sudden i noticed chicken of the woods mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms out in the Appalachian uh, mountains and grabbed them, uh, you know, put some olive oil on them, had an excellent meal at hunting camp. Uh, And it's just something I would have never, ever done without thinking about all these different food sources together. That's pretty, it's, it's definitely cool. Very, very useful. And all right. So I'll ask the question. We talked about it a little bit. So website only or app? So currently it's website only. I have the app designed. Uh, just It's a mix of trying to grow a little bit more and hear a little bit more feedback from different people before you put the months of dedicated directional work into mm-hmm. making an app, right? So I want to make sure that it's exactly the state that I want it before I go on. And, and to say that it's the state I want it. This is very much a, uh, a work in progress, and it's it's in its kind of rough form at this point, and I've been focusing on building the engine before slapping on a, a shiny coat of paint. And, uh, you know, the, I'm extremely excited about the app design. I think if you find utility now, I think uh, when it comes out as an app, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a lot different. Uh, it's going to still deliver information just as fast, but it's going to be a lot more useful, which, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm extremely excited to get to that point and, and put it in people's hands. It'll be good. My, uh, my Sunday screen time report will have that one at the top. It'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> you spent 80% of your time on the season report. <laughs> uh, that would be great. <laughs> well, ironically, like I want, I, you know, I, I hate those apps that steal your attention and you look up and like, how did I spend two hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not trying to make something that, that sucks your eyeballs and all your attention. Uh, but it would be awesome if, if I heard more and more people using it, just as you said. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's you've got apps that create opportunities for mindless entertainment, and then you have apps that are functional, and are a resource and I tend to gravitate towards the apps that are functional and a resource and like 
I don't actually. I don't even think I have any games because I don't let my kids play on my phone. So I don't have any games on my phone. It's all just like some an app has a purpose. Uh, so the same. yeah, yeah. But I will anxiously await the app, and until then, I'll 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 uh, create a favorites tab for it and add it on my uh, my links. It's I can already tell you that I'm going to have a conversation with with the. Uh, with the crew here in the next week or so, and we're going to be laying out kind of our hunting and fishing trip, our hunting plans for the next, uh, the rest of the year. And I guarantee you that we're all going to be using, we'll be using this, uh, to help lay down some plans. So no, that's great. And you know, I, we're in that weird period between no, you know, last year's data is old, but Mm -hmm. they're about to start releasing that new information. And yep. so towards the end of December, I just uh, felt like there was something that I could do. And so I, I projected forward hunting uh, seasons for next year because they change, but they change moderately so. Sure. And so I, for all the states uh, that you want to go look for fall 2022, that information is there. It's searchable. You can, you can save it. But I have a little disclaimer that says, you know, these are my projections Subject mm-hmm. to change whenever the the states release that information, so yep. you won't completely waste your time there. That's good. No, that's good to know as well. And I think it's it's very uh, it's very good you you put that disclaimer there because some people may just take truth truth to it and they're like, wait, but it changed, <laughs> <laughs> right? So no, that's all good. Um, what would you say is your favorite feature? You know, I think for planning that discover. Mm-hmm. Tab is pretty cool, but you know, with this new update, we have all these different food sources. I personally, I'm just enjoying seeing all the different opportunities in one place. Yeah, uh, across all the different uh, food sources, it's just it. The more I use it personally, the more it, the more powerful it is in terms of like shaping how I, I think about the outdoors. And you know, it, obviously, I'm. I like it. I built it. I've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it. But as I start to go think about morel season coming up, I have to start thinking about what types of trees there are. And even if it's a tree type that uh, isn't suitable for morels, oh, that might be a really good acorn tree that I should put a, a GPS point on for later on in the fall. That might be mm-hmm. a good spot to come back and deer hunt. And so I, it, it's. I think that I guess to, to answer your question would be the just the dashboard with all that information readily available. Sure. It's kind of a hard question to answer too. I mean, you're, you're a, you're a father. So it's like, Hey, what's the favorite part of your kid? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> depends well, on that. the, depends on the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To that end, uh, this has really spurred us to, to grow our garden even larger this year. And so my daughter's just at that age where she can start to help put some mm-hmm. seeds in the soil. And oh, nice. uh, we started some a little early, uh, just so she could get used to that process and she's watching them come up and stuff. And it's, it's been a really fun process just, uh, bringing it into the family. Yeah. It's, it's super fun. It's, and it's always so interesting when you start to kind of, uh, you know, if you look at, if you look at writing or you look at cooking or photography or any of the things and you start to, uh, mold those, uh, into, more of an outdoor focus so even with this like developing a website and making available all these resources like you yourself are growing like you said earlier as you 
are putting this information together because somebody's got to peruse through the useful and and overly detailed scientific reports and all the other information you're using. And uh, I think that your statement was very reflective. It was like you end up kind of immersed in this indirectly because it becomes your passion as well as like growing your passion for the outdoors. So it's, it's, Absolutely. I'm, I'm always excited to see when people embark on journeys like these because you, you get something that's like, I really, really care about this, but then it turns into this whole multifaceted adventure of like, all right, now, you know, I'm learning about foraging. Now I'm learning about berries and trees and acorns and, mm-hmm. you know, and the next thing you know, you're on the wild fishing game podcast. And it's just <laughs> like <laughs> it, it has been a kind of a crazy ride with that respect. Uh, but it's been it's been fun to grow personally, but also to bring friends and, and neighbors along for the ride too. Yeah. Because people who would otherwise not eat this or that, trying trying new types of meat, or you know, I, I've turned a few friends onto hunting in general over the last year, and that's always fun to bring somebody out on on their first deer hunt or line them up for that first shot at a buck. It's just uh, the whole the whole realm of the outdoors is a lot of fun. And I think I think what's really neat is the approach that you're taking uh, by really looking at it from a food standpoint is that you're going to introduce a lot of folks that you're never going to meet and you're never going to realize because they may get on it and be like, oh, I really enjoy gardening. And they see the functionality of your website and then they're like, all right, you know, maybe I'll try this foraging thing. And the next thing you know, they're fishing and the next thing you know, they're hunting. It's like... You know, it's it's a gateway to open up opportunities, but because the in, the information is presented in such an organized and approachable manner, that I think people are really gonna, if I'm sure they already are, but people are gonna latch onto it even more, and that that really excites me because now you're talking about you're forever changing the face of of hunting and fishing and foraging, and uh, I don't know about that, but I, I appreciate no. the sentiment. No, 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 um, I, I think so. I think so. Well, I, I joke with some friends that, you know, there's a lot of different ways to measure success with something like this. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I in this divided, fractured world, if I pulled up to a stoplight with a Prius and a good old boy truck and they both had a season report sticker on it, I would consider this a wild success. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I Prepare yourself. Yeah, there'll be a time. <laughs> so, no, it's it's all awesome stuff. Um, so, how can people access it? What's the best way? I see there's a there's a free trial on here. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, seasonreport.com, and you mm-hmm. can you can go there and sign up for a uh, two week free trial. I'm simplifying that registration process this this month to make it just more streamlined and easier, so you don't uh, have so much friction getting started and then you can always check out our instagram and facebook at my season report a lot of that's all uh, original content that we put up from just our our personal hunting and fishing and gardening and all of our endeavors oh there it is i like to poke around on the instagram you could also uh the way I go to Season Report, even though it's not an app right now, you you know you can save websites to your your phone's dashboard, and it just has its own icon. And so Wait I found a that. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, if you go to any website in your phone's browser, you can save as a bookmark, but there should be an option that says save to home screen or something like that. And you can put it on your home screen as just a, a quick link. All right, let's see. I'm going to figure out how to do this. All right, so I'm on there. My season report right now. <gasps> Add to home screen. Maybe I should uh, communicate that a little bit to, to yeah. help people get over the hump. Yeah, I never knew. Look at this. <gasps> there it is. <laughs> See the little, you got, you got yeah. your own icon right there. Awesome. That is super cool. And it even takes a little snapshot of your uh, page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I huh. use that for a lot. There's, uh, you know, when Weather Underground got bought by, was it Accu, AccuWeather? Mm-hmm. I was using Weather Underground for years and then... Me too. Their hurricane models are so good. Yeah, and then they just made it so hard to reach yeah. their portal. So that I, I use that little trick for a lot of those websites I really want to go to. Nice. I like it. That's a hot tip. It's probably <laughs> like, wow. Um, and you got some cool stuff here on Instagram. Appreciate it. How'd you like that 1491 book? Oh, I love that. And that was... Uh... That was a little bit before my my cooking phase, but definitely as I was starting to teeter into hiking a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we lived in St. Louis for a little while, and mm-hmm. it, of course, after we move away, and then I start reading that book, they mentioned Cahokia, which is on the Illinois side, mm-hmm. and it was at one point, uh, if you read that book, you'll remember it was the largest human civilization in the world, even larger than Paris at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that book is an eye opener. It's crazy. It's crazy to think all the things that happened uh, pre-Columbian times and very little documentation of any of it. Well, when we go down and visit family in Louisiana, uh, some of our family live on a bayou. And if you go there after a rainstorm, all that sandy, silty soil will get churned up. And mm-hmm. you just go walk, and it's just arrowhead after arrowhead. Mm-hmm. And it really, I mean, you hear them talking about how they were looking there for arrowheads as a kid. How many people had to live here and make arrowheads for us to have this many continuously available? It's just, it's mind-blowing. It's, uh, that's, that is so crazy. So when I was in college, um, so I have an anthropology degree, and um, I did a, a bit of time working for the the regional archaeologist uh, in New Orleans, and we went to the north side of Lake Pontchartrain, mm-hmm. and there's a lighthouse uh, that's there. I think it's the Pontchartrain Lighthouse. Um, but on that lighthouse itself dates back very, very long ago, seventeen, late 17, maybe early 18. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on the date. But a lot of the existing structure is built on a shell mound, and shell mounds are exactly as it sounds. It's literally um, a lot of dirt and shell mixed in. Basically, the 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 indigenous folks that lived there at the time would eat oysters and shellfish and make a big pile of it. And then after a while, they made a big pile that was big enough to, uh, you know, to have a sturdy foundation for, uh, for uh, you know, structures and things like that. So we went out and did shovel testing, which is where you dig like, you know, a shovel's width by a shovel's width square and you, you dig down and you test the layers to see if there's any archaeological record before you start to expand. Mm-hmm. And literally, you're just dealing, digging through like shell and shell and shell and shell, like all the way down. You're finding little trinkets and stuff along the way. But 
There's a lot of history hidden. <laughs> oh, and that's that's the cool part about getting out. You know, ever since I took up hunting, my favorite hiking is off trail. Just yeah, I want to get to the top of that mountain, or I want to get to the other side of it, and and just find something along the way. And I mean, you you stumble upon you know old mine shafts, which are terrifying, or <laughs> yes, or, or just tools and. I mean, everything that you can discover out there. Uh, there was one time I was in a hollow in Virginia, and there was a telegraph wire that I tripped over, and I pull it up, and and then all of a sudden I see kind of that that knob and tube thing that the telegraph was wrapped around, and I mean it was barely still a thing. the The wire was disintegrating in my hands, and it was just, it, you know, I don't I don't know who was there, but that was you know, relatively young in terms of civilization, but it was still really cool to think, man, was this civil war? Was this priest? Well, obviously it was, it was after, but, uh, you know, it was just a, a lot of, a lot of history can be found on the, the floor of the woods. Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, and yeah, getting out and adventuring is the only way you're going to see it. You can read about it, but to see it, you got to be out there. So, um, no, really awesome, uh, conversation. So, Let's remind people one more time on, on where they can go to it, uh, your website. Yep, seasonreport.com and on Instagram and Facebook at my season report. Nice. And your annual memberships right now, are, it's like $15? Correct, $15 for the year. And there's always, you know, I just uh, set up a cross promotion with Howl for Wildlife. And you can use a code to get $5 off and then kick some money uh, back to conservation. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to make a tool that can bring a lot of utility, but also, uh, conservation is, is foremost in what I'm trying to achieve and really point people towards a way to start to, so my mission statement with this is to get people more easily engaged in the outdoors so they can ultimately develop a sense of ownership at, which will hopefully lead towards responsible stewardship. And so, you know, I, if you pay attention to Instagram, I'm, I'm constantly putting up different conservation promo codes to, to shave some dollars off and, and kick it back to where it's most needed. That's awesome. I like that a lot. So, well, so this is kind of the, the point in the show where we do our, uh, our last thoughts. Uh, so being that you're the guest, I'll kick it over to you. So do you have last thought, question, comment, anything you want to ask me or leave the guests with? Uh, you know i think the the one thing i would recommend is just try something new this year you know springtime's about to start try you know get on there and tinker around find a new food source that you haven't tried before and then work towards figuring out how to find it and then make the most out of it on the dinner table man i think that's a great it's a great recommendation for sure um i really appreciate the conversation um i'm really excited to start to uh dive more into your website and uh really get familiar with the functionality i'm excited about the things we talked about and i know it's going to be very useful so um i will say to everyone that all the uh the show notes and uh, links that we talked about uh, will be available online, so you'll be able to easily get to the website, to uh, to the Instagram page. You can reach out to Chris. Oh, do you have a do you have an email or a way that people can reach out to you directly? Yeah, it's Chris with a K. It's K R I S at seasonreport.com. And Perfect. If you go to the about page, it's right there as well. Sweet. 
great way to just to get direct contact in case you get questions. Um, but I thank everybody for listening. Um, head over to social media. Make sure you're following the Caesar Report on Instagram, Facebook, all those great, grand, wonderful yep. places. I will uh, say it's to- my season report uh, because season, uh, report. season report is a, uh, I believe it's a European handbag uh, company. So <laughs> it is my season report on uh, on social media. <laughs> you can you can buy fine European handbags, but you will not get access to useful <laughs> hunting, foraging, and gardening information. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a my season report on Instagram. Um, yeah, and with that, uh, once you do that, make sure you're following Harvest in Nature so you can keep up with all the great things I talked about at the beginning of the the episode here. And then uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, punch that five star button, leave us a review, tell us what we're doing wrong, or you know, tell us what we're doing right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.